and welcome to Unapologetic Sex with DG. I am DG, your host, and I'm so glad you're here with us today. Today's episode is so impactful in so many ways. It is a wonderful ride, and it's also a conversation with one of the most intelligent people I've had a chance to talk with. Their name is Marie Monroe, a veteran stripper, been in sex work for a long time, and we had one of the most fulfilling conversations I've had in a long time. She is so informative, so well-spoken, and just very able to tell her story in such a way that it just brings so much joy to my heart. We do talk about some things, so I want to put a trigger warning that we do discuss rape and stalking in this episode, so if this is not for you, please go and listen to one of my other episodes because this, this one may not be for you. But back to the episode, Marie is just one of the most beautiful souls I have a chance to talk to, and we had this conversation back in February, and it was one of the most powerful conversations I've had in a long time, and we give a lot of tips and tricks for baby strippers and baby sex workers for you, so you want to pay attention and you want to you listen because this will help you in the long run, and I hope it does. Marie, thank you so much again for talking to me. This was one of my favorite conversations I've had thus far, and I really, really appreciate you. Um, if you want to check them out, uh, their Instagram is Monroe, and I'll give you more of their links with the description below. So, I really hope you enjoy this conversation. It's one of my favorite conversations that I've had in a long time. And thank you so much for being here. Uh, Let's get to it. Once again, I'm DG and let's hop to it. Hi everyone, I am DG and this is the Unapologetic Sex with DG podcast and today we are with Marie Monroe and we're going to just have an amazing conversation today. I'm really excited. I hope you are too. So would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, Marie? Um, I would love to hear your name, pronouns, what you do, and what your favorite thing about sex is. All right. So, hi, I'm Marie Monroe, uh, she, her pronouns, and I am a stripper and an online adult content creator. And I've been in sex work for, I think, like coming up on eight years now, which is a long time putting that one together now (laughs) as we talk, which is kind of scary. But yeah, uh, I started off as like a cam girl on Tumblr and all that. My favorite thing about sex. I think is like the closeness and intimacy of it. I'm not going to lie. I feel like getting to experience sex outside of being in sex work, it's a really beautiful thing to be able to like have real intimacy with someone. That is absolutely beautiful. I love hearing that. That is, I'm, I'm noticing a theme 
That is definitely something I've heard from my, from a lot of people. Let's just put it that way. I've heard a lot of people say like the intimacy aspect. What specifically about the intimacy is your favorite part? Which part of the intimacy stands out to you? For me, my number one love language is touch. So being able to like physically feel my partner, like my favorite thing is literally like chest to chest with my partner and be like that like super physical closeness of it is just like everything to me. (laughs) That is so beautiful. I love hearing that. Um, That is the first time that's been described on here. And yeah, like that specific, the chest to chest, we've had like cuddling and stuff like that, but not specifically chest to chest. And I feel like that is like one form of intimacy most people neglect is going chest to chest because that is how you like feel your partner's breathing and you can feel their heartbeat. So I love that. That's absolutely beautiful. And when you were telling us what you do, I did hear you say you're on eight years in sex work. Yes. It's like kind of crazy to think about. Um, I started off as a sex worker freshly when I turned 18. Um, I was on Tumblr, Tumblr booty queen days. Um, and I had a blog where I posted my nudes and advertised like Skype calls. And basically I made custom content and a premium Snapchat back in the day before, before OnlyFans, um, mm-hmm. uh, basically like, and I was just winging it forever. And I did that all through college just to like get by. And then after college, I used my degree for a little bit and then I ended up starting in stripping. Mm. May I ask what your degree is in? Yeah, uh, (laughs) I have a a BFA in fine art photography and photojournalism and I have a minor in creative writing specializing in poetry. That's absolutely gorgeous. That is absolutely gorgeous. And wow, okay, that is quite a journey. Yeah, that is quite a journey to go on. So are you currently stripping still? Yes. Just want to uh, make check, check in. So, so still stripping. Yeah. Um, uh, I work in Massachusetts, uh, a couple and yeah, I work in Massachusetts at a couple different clubs. I don't know. I love it. Uh, in-person sex work feels like a really easy transition for me personally from like camming and making custom content for people because I feel a lot of my clientele is people that just desire intimacy and someone who will listen to them. Mm. And so stripping as in-person sex work, it felt like the easiest transition, honestly. I really like hearing that. I really like hearing that because that's definitely a perspective I haven't gotten as pertaining to stripping specifically. Can you tell us more about like what your day-to-day life is like as a stripper and if you're doing anything with that degree currently or just, I'm, I'm just curious. So. Well, my day-to-day, uh, the club I currently work at is only open on Friday and Saturdays. So when I'm not working at the club, I'm working on my content for Instagram, Twitter, OnlyFans. I just got approved to be on Playboy Centerfold. I have a fans lead that I'm working on and I do a lot 
my week is mainly promotional work for all my online content and also promoting that I'll be at the club at the over the weekend and like when to see me, where to see me, answering DMs, blocking people. Um, <laughs> but like, I don't know, I wake up, do my it girl morning routine and <laughs> you know, you're skincare. I have an acupressure pad that I lay on like daily because stripping is really hard on your body. And mm-hmm. so I make very intentional time like every day to use my acupressure pad, lay on it, put my legs on it, stretch. And just like a lot of my off time is taking care of my body. Not going to lie, because dancing, if you don't take care of your body, will ruin your body. <laughs> wow. I don't think a lot of people understand that or yeah. appreciate that. And thank you for sharing that. That is golden information that people should really listen to. Yeah, it's, it's true. I like push to baby strippers, especially when they're starting is that you need to take care of your body when you start dancing. A lot of people think like, oh, easy money. You go to work, you shake ass, you go home. But it's not that easy. It's a lot of physical work on your body, especially if you do pole work. You have to take care of your body if you're doing pole, like realistically, because mm-hmm. you're covering bruises all the time. You can really hurt yourself on the pole. Like I know girls that in their first year of dancing, they blew out their knees. Like you have to really take time to take care of you and make sure you're eating make sure you're not overworking yourself. I always tell baby strippers when they're starting and they're making their schedules that they want to work, don't just work, you know, Thursday through Saturday in a big block of time. Try to do a Tuesday and then you take Wednesday off and then work Thursday. Try to take Friday off, work Saturday. Give yourself like moments of rest and also just to be you and not be work you. Yeah, the persona. Yeah. The persona. Do you put on a persona when you strip or when you're camming? I feel like I have more persona in my online content than I do in real life. I'm not going to lie. But also I feel like with online content, it's hard to get intent across without being a little over the top. And, you know, the, hey, baby, oh my God, like, how are you? Very forward, extroverted way with camming with making custom content, things like that. But then um, in stripping, I used to really put on a persona at work, but for me, it's incredibly exhausting to try to upkeep that, honestly. Yeah. Um, And also it's just, it really, it's just, it's exhausting for me. So I, I tell customers when they're like, is this even the real you? I tell them I am you 10% persona, 90% just me. I may change details and stories that I tell people, change names, whatever kind of thing. But I'm telling you about something at work. It happened. Like I'm not playing the bullshit game is hard, especially when you have regulars and then you fuck up your story, which is why I drop the persona is because one of my longest regulars, I fucked up the details of a story one time with him. Mm. That I told him and uh he caught me on that one <laughs> yeah people like to call out bullshit like yeah. even if it's a protective factor yeah. which I feel like that's why you change names and yeah it's really important to protect your private space and your personal space exactly. especially I feel like especially with doing sex work having that separation is so important thank you for sharing that by the way <laughs> yeah, like wildly important like 
other than taking care of your body when you're a stripper, making sure that real you and work you stay separated is a huge thing. Because also that blend leads to a lot of burnout very quickly. Mm -hmm. Also, your safety is important and you prioritize that when you start dancing. I always tell baby strippers like, don't put it on your real Instagram, like make a separate Instagram, make a separate email that that Instagram is connected to that email, not your regular email. You know, use a Google voice number, things like that. Like mm-hmm. I use to talk to my customers. You use what? You cut out a little bit. Sorry. Uh, no, okay. I mainly use Instagram for mm-hmm. like customers. That way I'm not giving them a phone number. Mm-hmm. I can disengage with them easier. Mm-hmm. You know, switch to my regular Instagram and not get the notifications. I can block them, and they never had access to anything else. Like mm-hmm. a lot easier that way. But I do have mm-hmm. three regulars that I've had for a very long time who have my phone number. But it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You keep coming back to it, and I want to. I want to touch on it. Is the blocking? Yes, <laughs> blocking. I think this is something a lot of newbie sex workers and newbie strippers and anyone getting into this industry needs to understand is this is a great thing to know. Can you give us a little bit more about the importance of blocking and how you use blocking in your everyday life? Yeah. So I am someone who is kind of relentless on blocking people that message me. Um, I have my messages set up so that things go to the message requests. Um, and my work Instagram is set up as a business page, quote unquote, so that I have a primary chat section and a general chat section. Customers that I don't care about or people that don't subscribe, don't visit me at the club, they go in the, the, in the general. I don't get notifications for the general. The primary is other dancers, other sex workers, my regulars, that's where they go. Those notifications come through all the time. So I use it as a way to separate my money from my not money in certain mm-hmm. ways, also from people I care about to people who just heart react all my stories kind of mm-hmm. thing. But also I've started blocking people that only heart react stories and don't do anything else. Um, <laughs> Cause like time is money and mm-hmm. I put a lot of time and energy into all of my management of my social media and my job. So it's a lot of relentless, empty answering of things. When someone like emoji reacts a story for the first time, I send them my OnlyFans link immediately. I'll be like, hey, thanks, OnlyFans. Subscribe if you want, visit me at the club. And if they like say something about how they never subscribe, they can get it for free, whatever, I block them because it's obviously not worth my time at that point. My, mm-hmm. my time is my money and is my business. Mm-hmm. So Completely. Uh, I find being a little relentless with blocking has helped with my burnout because it's less, I don't let people get to me in the way that I used to when I started off in sex work. Cause you know, mm-hmm. my first thoughts when I started off were like, oh, but like, what if he spends money later? Like, what if I can fix this later? It's not worth it. That's really, really a good way to think about it. Yeah. That is absolutely beautiful. And I don't think a lot of people, especially newbies would not think of that. And when I give themselves that boundary. Yeah. How was it discovering your boundaries in sex work and as a stripper? They pop up abruptly and it's, I feel like you have to kind of lay your boundaries out on day one. 
Mm-hmm. That's like the, the way that I like to think about it is because mm-hmm. if you don't have hard boundaries walking in, people can manipulate you. People can you do things that you didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, not wavering from that will keep you from having burnout, keep your self-worth intact in different ways. Because there are people who feel shame about being sex workers and bending to things that people want you to do and having internalized phobia and shame is mm-hmm. not going to feel good or be good for you at the end of the day. Yeah. So I set hard, hard boundaries. When people request custom content, I have a big list of no-goes and I have a list of free game mm-hmm. of content that I'm willing to create. And with customers in the club, I all like in champagne rooms, I'm like, you can touch the outer perimeter of my body. You touch my chest or anything else. You are no go donezo and I will walk mm-hmm. out of here. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I don't waver from. Even with regulars that I've had for a very long time, if they pull some shit, I'm like, and you're done. Mm-hmm. And it honestly has been better for my mental health to be able to just be like, no, and we're done. That is absolutely gorgeous because I know when I started out with sex work, it was a struggle for me. to set those boundaries because I wasn't sure what my boundaries were yeah I'm going on five years altogether doing sex work and two years full-time and mine's been all online yeah but finding those boundaries and figuring out what those boundaries were were hard but once I got them it's like I've started doing what you're doing and that's being relentless about them yeah I like that phrasing relentless about it what what would you give a tip for a baby sex worker or baby stripper who's having trouble figuring out what their boundaries are so they can set that firm boundary I usually tell uh baby dancers and baby sex workers start with what you are comfortable with your in your real life Mm -hmm. let's say in your regular vanilla civ life you don't do anal Mm-hmm. That goes first on your, I don't make content like that. I don't do that for clients, whatever. So step one, those back, those match up and we'll, don't waver from it because it makes, if it makes you feel bad in real life, it'll make you feel bad at work. Mm-hmm. And I usually use that comparison because it's a polarizing thing in which mm-hmm. like people are like either all go for anal or not. So I'm like, yep. this is an easy one to like pair up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always tell people start off with things that you have done in your real like and don't and aren't comfortable with you are comfortable with use that as your starting ground for your boundaries and then like there are things in the club that, like you kind of discover on your own like I will dom customers in the club that does not bother me I have no problem walking a man on a leash stepping on him kicking him hitting him spitting on him whatever not my issue there are girls that work in the club that they are not comfortable with that. If that's not something you want to do, then don't do it. Pass them on to a, to a girl who will. Wow. I didn't yeah. know that was something you could do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's usually a champagne room thing, but I've had, I've had some pretty subby, subby boys come through in the club before. I had a guy one time who I used him as a footstool for a two hour champagne room. It was pretty great. I just sat on the couch, my feet on his back, drinking champagne, hanging out. We just talked. Very but, cool. As yeah. him as your stool. 
Yeah. <laughs> that sounds amazing. That sounds absolutely amazing. <laughs> I love it. I, I love these stories that you're telling us and these like real life events. It's like absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And can you just clarify for anyone who does not know or who has never been to a strip club, what is a champagne room? Yeah. So most clubs, there's like different levels of how the club works. So you have stage, you know, girl with pole stage twerking. You throw ones or big bills. All strippers take big bills. Um, <laughs> and then you have, in most clubs, you have a single song dance room or some clubs have a two song requirement, like minimum, where, you know, you pay like a certain smaller amount of money to get a lap dance. So uh, at one of the clubs I work at, it's $20 per song and you can just keep going on single songs and be like, do you wanna keep going? Yeah, all right, pay another $20 and you know, you keep dancing. All the clubs I've worked in, there's a quote unquote VIP section or champagne room section in which it's like a completely off booth room that has like a curtain door. Uh, never work in a club, door shuts and locks. Um, but, um, all the clubs I've worked in have curtains on those doors and I sell them as a more intimate private experience. I will not be pulled away for stage. Another customer can't approach me and take me from the table. It is truly one-on-one -on -one time. And people who come in for BDSM experiences and are looking for something like that, I said, that's how I sell champagne rooms is I'll be like, this is a very custom experience for you. You know, I can give you a back massage we can sit and talk. I can dance for the whole time. You know, I can whip you, beat you, spit on you. <laughs> you can be domed. Um, we can cuddle. I have a number of customers that literally all they want is to cuddle. Aww. And it's really honestly wonderful. I have a longtime regular that he buys champagne rooms so that I can eat my dinner in peace. Um, <laughs> that is the sweetest thing I've ever heard. It is honestly the best. That was how he established being my regular. Like he's been my regular since the first week I started dancing. And like about a month in, he'd been coming to see me like every shift I worked. And you know, we'd get a couple dances, we'd spend a lot of money on stage, give me money at the table. But then like he bought his first champagne room with me mm -hmm. and it was an hour long room. And But he showed up to the club with like dinner in hand and went to the bar I saw him I walked up he was at the bar and he was ordering me a bottle of champagne so we could just go sit in the champagne room drink champagne I could eat my dinner and not have to like be like called to stage or you know dealing with other girls drama and just have like downtime oh my lord <laughs> that is the sweetest thing I've ever heard it's like seriously awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love my regulars um they're all really really wonderful people honestly I don't hold on to regulars that aren't good people frankly I I will cut up some off very quickly well, <laughs> I would hope so because you got to protect yourself yeah. you got to keep yourself safe and it sounds like the people who have proven themselves to be really good people are the ones you keep around and the sweetest people are the ones you're keeping around and that is so beautiful and it it does sound like the clients are looking for an intimate human experience yeah I find a lot of strip club customers that's really what they need and what they're looking for there's a lot of stigma and ideas because of popular media different movies hustlers um <laughs> that 
the club it can be only this dirty toxic sex filled environment it is not always that it can be clubs have very much the potential to be a hard raunchy dirty place but also at the same time you can build really beautiful relationships with people and that's something that i love about being a sex worker is that I am giving someone something that they need. I've ha- I have customers who are divorced who have gone through horrible breakups that like they come to me about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm their confidant. I always tell customers when they get weird about talking to a stripper, I'm like, strippers are the keepers of secrets. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I gonna who am I gonna tell? I don't know your girlfriend. I don't know your wife. I don't, I don't know anything about you unless you tell me. Like mm-hmm. I'm not in your regular life. I'm not someone at the office. You can tell me things that will not go anywhere. Two things. I love that. (laughs) It is also why I pursued sex work. And that's why I chose this as a profession as well. And that's also why I decided to do coaching as well and go for sexual health coaching. But the other thing is like so many people forget that we need human touch. Yeah. And so many people forget that we need that level of intimacy to exist healthily. And a lot of people can't get that regularly. Can you touch on that as a stripper and a sex worker, how that intimacy plays out? Um, Like more so for like you, you gave the the descriptions of like breakups, divorces. I'm guessing you get a lot of people who work all the time and don't have time for like developing real relationships. If you know what I mean, I air quoted that. (laughs) Can you go more on why sex work and stripping give and how they give that intimacy and that anonymity that these people are looking for? Yeah. So a lot of people come to sex workers because they need something or they want something. But also I have a lot of really like blunt upfront conversations with my customers especially if they are repeat people, I like to get to know them. You kind of learn the things they, they need. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of customers that come into clubs, they've been through either some really horrible shit. They work a lot. They, they don't have the same opportunities to pursue relationships or they think that they aren't valid in pursuing relationships. Like it, it's a lot of back and forth. I mean, I had a, I had a regular for a long time that he would tip me to sit with him at the bar and listen to him talk about golf. And we would watch golf on the dumb TV that was in the club. And he would just talk to me about golf. So now I know a stupid amount about golf. I really don't like it, but it's okay. But it came, I asked him one day, I was like, why do you come to the club to watch golf? And why do you tip me to hang out with you to watch golf? And he was like, because my wife hates it when I talk about golf. And I was like, well, this is something you love. Like, what? And he was like, yeah. And when I talk about it, she gets mad at me. So after that, I, I make a big point to talk to people about the things they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Because usually, especially, you know, toxic masculinity, men are taught not to talk about their feelings. If someone invalidates how they feel about a subject once, they don't bring it up again. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. giving men in particular an outlet to talk about the things they enjoy or talk about how they feel like kind of builds healthier people Mm -hmm. in a way kind of feels like I'm a therapist in a lot of ways but Mm -hmm. at the same 
at the same time it's just it's just so rewarding to like watch someone like open up and blossom my longtime regular who would like bring me dinner and stuff like recently he finally was like I feel comfortable to even start dating again oh my god like, been divorced for like a couple of years now and he was like because of being able to talk to you for weeks and weeks on end you know well for years um like I finally feel comfortable enough now to like go maybe pursue people and actively talk about what I like and don't like. And I was like, do it. You can do it. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That is so beautiful. I'm on the brink of tears right now just because of how beautiful that is and how gorgeous because so many people don't see this side of it. No, they don't. Yeah. And so many people actively ignore this side of it because it doesn't fit their narrative. Exactly. But also like to, to flip it to like my perspective, I carry a lot of weight of what people tell me and mm-hmm. self-care is very important. Having a good support system around you of people who are willing to decompress with you is incredibly important. I am very lucky to have two really wonderful partners who make time for me specifically in the days after I work. And mm-hmm. We very much have downtime. I don't like get dressed up, get ready to go out. Real true, just like sit in an existence space together time. I'm a pretty introverted person. So being at work and being extroverted Marie that is at work is emotionally and physically exhausting to me. So mm-hmm. I like my, especially the two days off afterward, after work weekend, just decompressing with my partners and just not thinking about work. <laughs> um, yeah. They're so, so important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's another piece people don't see or hear about is that self-care afterwards and what it takes. Cause everything you just told me is very heavy. Yeah. Like I'm going after this conversation, I'm probably going to wait until my partner gets home and then we'll both decompress because they'll be coming home from work and we'll just do something stupid and just, or something silly to distract ourselves from the day. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of people don't see that or respect it. Yeah. Or like understand that sex workers are humans too. We have needs and desires too. So I'm guessing you're polyamorous. Yes. (laughs) Uh, What does that look like for you? Um, I have two really wonderful life partners that I met three years ago now. We both relationships just celebrated the three-year anniversary, so it's, like, really great, and they're really wonderful, and they're probably the most supportive people I've ever had in my life, and it's a really beautiful thing. I always, like, I think because of them, I, I tend to be a little harsh on other sex workers' partners because, like, as soon as there's any part of red flag of like, oh, I want you to quit stripping or quit dance, like quit whatever when it comes to mm-hmm. sex, I hear that from other girls about their partners. I immediately am like, my partners would never ask that of me. Mm-hmm. They want me to do what is best for me. So, so to see someone else like struggle in that way or like have a partner like, you know, be degrading or just mean about what they do. I'm like, no, you, you need to leave. You need mm-hmm. to leave that person. They're automatically a safety risk for you. Mm-hmm. I've seen girls that their their boyfriends come into the club and they throw a fit, they get mad, they get in a fight. Like, you don't need that at work, for one. 
No. And it's obviously a person who's not going to support you at home for work. Mm-hmm. Like if it's just, you know, sitting in the bathroom with you while you're taking a shower when you get home from work. Like mm-hmm. that's something that my partner that I used to live with, he, he would do that all the time. You come into the bathroom while I was showering after work and he would just sit in there and exist in the same space. And having that kind of safety net is always such a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, I've done the same thing with yeah. people. I've had so many people tell me they're getting into sex work and then just stop because their partner's uncomfortable with it. And I'm like, it's a job. It yeah. is a fucking job. Yeah. This is no, go ahead. Yeah. Well, like I I've been, I've been in the position in the past. I've, I've been in this industry for eight years now, which still is so scary that it's been eight years already. Damn. Um, back in the day, uh, I was with this person who made me quit sex work for a while. That should have been like one of the screaming red flags, realistically. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were together for a very long time and you know when I started off in sex work he was very you know like get it you're so hot like sell sell booty pics like whatever and kind of like looking back he like fetishized what I did for work mm. which is a huge red flag in finding new partners Just, mm-hmm. it, it brings up how hard it is that you're a sex worker or a stripper run um <laughs> mm-hmm. looking back I should I should have run because like I love being a sex worker. Like <laughs> this, uh, I come back to this industry because I love it. Not because like it started off as a survival thing and very quickly transitioned into a career that I'm passionate in. Mm-hmm. So like, I've been in the position of a, a partner making me quit sex work and I've had to restart my, all my accounts over and over and over again. And I wish I had never had to quit looking back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, support's so important. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to go back to something you said, just because I, I can relate to this. My, my, my one partner always comes to the bathroom with me whenever I need to like shower or take a bath. He'll just sit in the bathroom with me with one of the cats and because of course the cats follow. Yeah. <laughs> and just like be there. And that is a huge sense of support. Yeah, And with everything you were just describing about how like the red flags of how partners should and shouldn't be if you're a sex worker, so many people will scoff at that. Yeah, I've had other dancers scoff at me about it. And I'm like, but why would you want to date someone or be with someone who is not supportive of you? Mm -hmm. I'm very blunt and upfront at this point. One of my partners literally on our first date I sat down, we were at like a brewery and it was our first like real, real date. We'd hung out like a couple times. And I was like, look, I'm a sex worker. I sell videos on the internet, photos. I talk to old men for money. I wasn't dancing yet at the time. So I was like, Mm -hmm. this is how it is. If you're not cool with that, I can Uber myself home now. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I opened the conversation with anyone that I'm pursuing at this point. because I, it's not worth it to get, you know, months in and then they're mad at you Mm -hmm. or frankly, to be fetishized for being a sex worker. Like anytime a man or really anyone brings up that it's hot that I'm a stripper immediately, that person is no longer an option to be a partner, no longer a friend that is a client. 
<laughs> that deviation any in any sort of way i'm just like well you can go do you you can visit me in the club and throw money on me or you can subscribe to my only fans we are not friends anymore and you are no longer someone that i would like to sleep with <laughs> i learned that the hard way i also learned it the hard way yeah um, and i tell a lot of people now don't drop your bag yeah. um <laughs> yeah i i had a friend who Loved buying me heels. Yeah. Loved seeing me in heels. And then I called him on it about, oh, this is my job. If you want to talk to me like this, you have to pay me. Yeah. They stopped answering my texts. Yeah. And I, and then I just was like, okay, I'm just going to stop responding to you. You can enjoy me from an outsider's perspective. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to engage with you that way anymore. Yeah, there is a person that I went to college with who will remain unnamed <laughs> um, who frequently shows up in my work DMs. Mm. And one of the last times he showed up in my work DMs, he was going on and on about how he wished he had found my Tumblr blog when we were in college together. And I was like, that's funny because you bullied me in college. But that's here nor there but also I know your girlfriend who you live with and what you're saying right now is wildly inappropriate mm-hmm. and he, kept, he kept like berating me with a bunch of like you're so hot you're so sexy blah blah, blah fan- fantasizing about me to me in my dms to which I said if you want to speak to me like that you need to fucking tip me and if not you can go subscribe to my only fans and I will continue to, to ignore you there Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like I'm sorry that was out of pocket I shouldn't have said anything and I was like yeah but you did mm-hmm. well I'm not going to delete the messages actually they're screenshotted so if you want to pull this again I can play hardball I'm not afraid mm-hmm. of hardball I can see that and, and I'm proud not of you <laughs> <laughs> wait say that again I have not heard from him since good yeah good I'm glad yeah. to hear that Oh, it was so annoying because it was like anytime I was at work and would like post that I was at work on my story, you know, he would like story reply, be like, oh my God, you look so hot today. And I'm like, go look at your girlfriend, dude. Like she's a beautiful woman that you live with. And I know y'all are monogamous. So like, can y'all just, can you just go talk to your girlfriend? (laughs) Yeah. Leave me alone. (laughs) Yeah. With any of my friends who start hitting on me like that, I'm like, here, I'm totally okay with, and you can talk to me like this. As long as you're tipping me and you're on my OnlyFans, I will not engage you on this page. Yeah. If you're talking to me like this, like period, this is a boundary. Exactly. Because like, I have no problem with like my friends following my work, social media, like, yeah, follow it, like the posts, whatever. That's cool. You start commenting or DMing like weird shit in my comments, like clients do, then you're a client. Mm -hmm. You've crossed out of friend to client. Mm-hmm. And there, for me, there's not really a moving back on that one. Mm-hmm. Like once you engage with me in that way, that's how I beat you. I was actually talking to a girl recently that I have a horrible habit now that when I am in public in a situation where there's alcohol, I immediately start introducing myself as Marie. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's something about like the atmosphere now because of dancing that I just kind of autopilot into it. I'll be at a bar and, you know, like drunk girls in the bathroom be like, oh my God, hi, you know, or talkative, whatever. 
Mm-hmm. And one specifically, I was like out with my partner and a friend of ours. And I went to the bathroom. This front girl comes up to me. She's talking to me, whatever. I just was kind of like entertaining the conversation. And she was like, I didn't get your name. And I stuck out my hand and I said, hi, I'm Marie. And I was like, fuck, it is too late to take that back. And there is no mm-hmm. Because also I don't like to really with strangers be like, yeah, I'm a stripper because it leads to weird conversations with strangers that are intrusive. So I was like, I just had to roll with it. And then I like go back to the bar, I sit down next to my partner and he's like, you were gone for a while, are you good? And I was like, I just accidentally introduced myself as Marie to some girl in the bathroom. And then she walks up and she's like, hey, Marie. And my friend on the other side of my partner didn't hear me tell my partner this and then real named me in front of this girl. And she was so so confused. And I was like, no. And like, no, she was really drunk. So maybe she doesn't remember that that happened. And like, honestly, I'd be happy if she didn't because it was so awkward. And I was like, and I I think I just like said it was like my last name or something. Like I, Mm -hmm. and it was a stranger. So I didn't really care. And I wasn't at work. So I was just kind of like, ah, ha, ha, bye. Yeah, I I know people don't know this struggle. I know people don't know this struggle because this, this is, um, I introduced, I have like three different names. Yeah. For like my persona. One of them is my dead name because I'm like not out as non-binary to my parents. Yeah. So I can't use the name I prefer with them or the one that I actually like using, but my, my sex worker name is DG. My sexual health coaching is DG. Mm-hmm. I've just started introducing myself as DG to everybody. And it's like, wait, am I supposed to be doing this? Yeah. It's like, it's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. And on, in some ways there's like something kind of freeing about it because like in this last year, um, I have gone fully out of the closet uh, to use the phrase, um, about being a sex worker. Um, it is no longer a secret in any facet of my life. So there is like something like a little bit freeing to being able to be like, Hey, I'm Marie and Hey, I'm so-and-so like in the same sentence. And it did not be a big deal. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah, coming out as a sex worker, what was, what is that like for you? In my case, uh, when it came to like my friends, I was always really open about it, especially like in college. Like, how do you tell your friends that like you can't hang out because you're doing a like nude Skype call? Like, so I was just really open about it. Um, with my friends, especially with my partners, I've always been like very transparent about it. But when it came to people from my hometown and my parents, it was a secret for a very, very long time. It wasn't until very recently that I told my parents. And like, I had been like picking and choosing people from my hometown that I allowed to know that I was a sex worker. But also mm-hmm. there are people who are incredibly close to me that like know me on a level that no one else will kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like, hey, hey, I have something to tell you. I'm a stripper and I make content. And a couple of them were like, that's cool. That's hot. You're still my best friend. Can I subscribe to your OnlyFans to support you? Mm-hmm. And she, I was like, oh yeah, let's go. Like, <laughs> but like they still engage with me in a friend way, not in like a, hey, I want to fuck kind of way which is really nice. <laughs> um, yeah. 
but having to tell my parents came out of a situation that I have to be a little I can't talk about it too fully I have a stalker mm-hmm. uh, Oof, I'm sorry and this person may or may not have put my parents address on the internet may or may not have. oh it was on Craigslist and to which strangers started showing up at my parents house asking for me and like it was a weird thing I like can't go into too much detail about it because who knows if we'll go to court one day mm-hmm. uh, where like supposedly according to the ad I was a landlord that was kicking out a tenant and your free furniture come anytime ring the doorbell anytime I'm here 24 hours a day but like listing my full legal name and my parents address and my phone number um so it was like okay and this person was not stalking me due to me being a sex worker he was stalking me due to my real life which is more complicated because he knew I was a sex worker and had access to both sides of me oh shit yeah um so I was like how do I explain to my parents that this dude is stalking me and so I like told my parents I was being stalked and the most careful way possible and then I was like look I have something to tell you I'd rather tell you than him call you and tell you because obviously if he's found your address he has your phone numbers if he has my phone number he has your phone number kind of thing um and I was like I'd rather you hear this from me um I'm Polly I've been dating these two wonderful people for a long time you met one of them you haven't met the other one um also uh I'm a stripper please don't be mad at me. I've been lying about this for a really long time. And remarkably, my parents were really chill about it. They had the exact opposite reaction that I thought they would. And they were like, okay, cool. You pay your own bills. So what? And I was like, oh, okay. I expected this to go like left field really quickly. Mm-hmm. All right. And it's been really freeing. I'm not going to lie. I wish I could have told them on my own terms, but I wanted to prevent blackmail. So, (laughs) yeah, and it sounds like it was already a very hairy situation. It sounds like it was a very unsafe situation. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Stalkers are no joke. No, it is no joke. And that's because of my experience being stalked. Uh, That's why I I can come off as a little bitchy. I'm not going to lie to baby dancers when they're like, oh, I just like posted on my Instagram that I'm at work. And they're posting it to their like regular life Instagram, the one with like, you know, pictures of their parents and their babies and their dog and their house, really just outing themselves in what can be a potentially really dangerous situation. Yeah. Uh, all my content, I photograph in ways that you can't see outside my windows. Um, so you can't place where I am. So, cause like mm-hmm. Google Maps Street View exists and it's not that hard to figure out where a person is these days. No, it's not. Um, especially with like reverse image searching things. This apartment was listed on the internet. Like it's not that hard. So like because of my situation being stalked, I tend to be a little more rigid when like baby dancers are asking me for advice about things. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you need to separate your life. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Because it can lead to really not good things. <laughs> okay. So that was really intense and thank you for sharing 
that that's a really scary situation. And I don't think people appreciate that that is something we have to deal with in this profession specifically. And I, I feel like it is very much sex worker specific with the severity and what they can do to our lives because we have to keep a separate identity. Exactly. Uh, I've even had like my friends or like customers kind of like laugh it off at me. And I'm like, no, but this is real. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't want someone putting your like address on the internet and, you know, blowing up your friend's phones about you. Like you wouldn't want that. Why should I be okay with it? Mm -hmm. And that's usually the way I try to approach it with anyone who like doesn't get it is I'm like, would you want this to happen to you? No, I don't want it to happen to me. (laughs) Yeah. Why would anyone want that to happen? Exactly. My, my curiosity is like, what is the validation you're receiving from having someone stalking you or harassing you? And um, in your experience, is this something that commonly happens with people in the industry from what you've seen and experienced? More or less. Um, Like I know I I've known dancers who dance by their real name, which blows my mind every time that have never been stalked. And I'm like, how? But then there's like people I know who have been relentlessly stalked multiple times by multiple relentless people have been to court about it, you know, have like big beefy restraining orders against people. And I know people who have been killed by stalkers and by clients. And so it's like, it's a prevalent back and forth thing where it's like some people are just lucky and they don't. And some people like me end up getting stopped. Yeah. You mentioned a very good point and that's, and it's a devastating point is that stalked and killed. Yeah. And just the violence against sex workers. Exactly. Um, People don't understand that violent people use sex workers as basically like a chew toy in certain ways. And people always say, well, it's only sex worker clients that do things like that. But sex worker clients are your, your dad, your mom, your cop, your firefighter, they're your brother, they're your boyfriend, they, they're your girlfriend, they're everywhere. Like most people are a sex worker's client because people watch porn, people buy content, people follow models on the internet. Like almost everyone is a client, frankly, mm-hmm. um, in one form or another. Um, and being a dangerous person isn't exclusive to being a client of a sex worker, but we have a more upfront view of abusive people a lot of the time. Um, I know you're going through this really rough time right now with the stalking and um, you, you don't have to necessarily go into detail or explain or if you're not comfortable, because I, I want to keep this as comfortable as possible, yeah. but it sounds like you have lost fellow sex workers and friends yeah. due to sex worker violence. I just was wondering if you could speak on that, if you're comfortable, only if you're comfortable. <laughs> um, I mean, it's something that like I've personally faced. I like have been assaulted by clients in the club. It's a thing that 
is prevalent and not prevalent. I know people who, you know, they've never had a bad experience with a customer before. I know people who have died. I, and then like I myself have been like attacked by a customer before. So it's, it's a back and forth and it's something that I feel like I'm always like a little vigilant about, which is why I take such hardcore downtime after work. Because I feel like not only am I so socially on at work, but there's like the little like ringing in the back of your head that's like, what if? Because like, I didn't have the what if until I was attacked by a customer at the club. But now I constantly have the what if. And now I'm like, what if I run into that guy outside of the club? Mm -hmm. Could he be a stalker kind of thing? And violence against sex workers is incredibly prevalent. And a lot of things that people don't consider to be violence against sex workers is violence against sex workers. Like silencing our voice across the internet, frankly, is violence against sex workers. If we can't speak up for ourselves in a meaningful and effective way and we're being wiped away from the internet, fuck the Earn Act, fuck SESTA-FOSTA, then we don't have a voice. And that... Mm -hmm can be used to bend what happens to us. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of legislation across the country that works against sex workers. Where I live in New Hampshire, I believe, and the internet will probably correct me if I'm wrong, a law passed in this last year in which a sex worker can report a client for assaulting them now without going to jail for being assaulted. Wow. Uh, and it was a serious win for full service sex workers and in Vermont, they are removing derogatory phrasing about full service sex workers from their laws, which is a really beautiful thing. So also working on destigmatizing because to a lot of people, prostitute is a bad word. I personally, in my opinion, don't think it's a bad word, but it carries a lot of stigma and beef behind it. Mm -hmm. Like when a cop calls you a prostitute, it means something completely different from like, another sex worker calling you a prostitute. Mm -hmm. and I think things like that, people don't take into account. Like if, if a random person called me a prostitute, I would be upset mm -hmm. in different ways. It's a form of bullying, which is violence against a person. And violence against sex workers comes in a variety of different forms from stalking to getting unalived to like, even just like general harassment. Like I have people who show up in my DMs all the time that are like, wow, you're ugly, like, how the fuck do you even make money? People who aimlessly threaten for no reason, you know, those troll types on the internet. Yeah. Like, but it kind of, like, is, is what it is, and I'm desensitized to a lot of it, unless they prove themselves to be a legitimate kind of threat to me, in yeah. which I'm not a person who bends over to that, so I get bitchy. <laughs> I don't think it's bitchy. You're getting protective. True, true. You're getting defensive. Yeah. You're defending yourself. Yeah. <laughs> which I, I would love to change the language around that to, I'm not being a bitch, I'm protecting my boundaries. Yes, and that is incredibly true. <laughs> and I, I've, I've experienced everything you've just ex said firsthand. I've been quite lucky that I haven't lost anyone. Yeah. I feel incredibly lucky with that. But I, I know quite a few of my friends who have lost fellow sex workers because of the prevalent violence and have lost friends and colleagues and family members because of the violence and they, their safety is constantly compromised. Yeah. And I am 100% behind you with like, fuck FOSTA and SESTA, fuck the Earn It Act. 
in my link, there is a, not only is it a thing to sign a petition against the Internet Act, but it also has Twitter feeds that you can post. I have a couple to my Twitter against the the act to contact your senators. Yeah. Like this, these are ways you can support your sex worker friends and family. Yeah, it is the free way to support us. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't tip a sex worker, if you can't pay for their content, if you can't subscribe, call your representatives, email your representatives about repeal SESTA FOSTA and to strike down the Army Act. That is my like number one, like, if you want to give me a Christmas present, that's it. Yep. <laughs> uh, sex workers deserve to be safe and be able to exist in this world and on the internet. Mm-hmm. And there, there is so much that goes into sex work. On this, I'm currently in costume because I'm planning on working after, yeah. after this interview. And you inspired me to do that because you're like, well, I can get ready. And I was like, I should get ready for the day because I need to do some work. <laughs> yeah, I also have to do some work after this. Got to film some content. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's like, throughout this whole conversation we keep coming back to how humid it is to be a sex worker yeah and how it's a human experience not just strictly a sex work experience it's a human experience exactly Um, and that is something that like is incredibly important to me when I talk about being a sex worker with other people especially people who are not sex workers I feel like it's really easy to go on the internet and Google, you know, what is it like to be a sex worker? And, you know, you get a lot of like, it was awful. I hated everything about it. Like, I hate my life because I did this. And stories like that get pushed forward very quickly because people like to talk about sex workers in the past tense. Uh, They don't like to talk about us like we're alive and kicking and moving right now. I don't, I don't like to perpetuate that. Yes, bad things happen. Like, I have a stalker. I've been attacked by a client, but that's not what shapes my experience in sex work. Mm-hmm. My experience in sex work is shaped by people like my regular who brings me dinner and gets a champagne room so I can sit and eat my dinner and not worry about it. Like mm-hmm. it's shaped by uh, a client of mine who paid me to take the month off for my birthday two years ago. Like it's shaped by things like that, not by the terrible things that have happened to me. Because all honestly, living in a woman's body, terrible things are bound to happen to me anyway, whether or not I'm a sex worker. Okay. Damn. I got chills. <laughs> like I'm about to cry, like happy, sad tears. I'm, I'm a mix of emotions with everything you just said. And I feel like that is the whole point of this podcast. Yeah. To bring about those emotions, let people live unapologetically exactly. and let you have your voice and use it loudly and proudly, which I'm glad you are. A couple more things, and then we're going to start wrapping it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with the client who paid you to take a month off for your birthday, I want to I talk about that for a second, because that is absolutely gorgeous. And that is something... I I don't think people see this side of sex work where it's when we have those clients who actually give a shit and actually care and actually like treat us like fellow humans. Yeah. Treat us lovingly. They go above and beyond. Exactly. (laughs) 
when you described that, like, can you tell me how that month off for your birthday was? Uh, It was great. Uh, All my bills were paid at the drop of a hat. Uh, I bought a new phone. I'm holding out my phone right now. I bought, I bought myself a new phone. I had needed a new phone for a very long time. Um, like I kind of, I was able to just kind of like move through space and do what I wanted in a way that I hadn't been able to do for a long time. Cause this was also the, I'm a Christmas baby. So this was the December of 2020, um, in which we were, you know, neck deep in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we still are, but it was extra neck deep at that time. Um, and I worked at the club, um, one day a week, the entire month, uh, just to prove that I was alive basically. Um, and to get to hang out with my regulars more or less. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I was able to just kind of like do what I wanted to do and be able to like actually relax and not worry about like, I have a thousand dollars student loan bill to pay. I have a thousand dollars in rent to pay. I have $300 to pay for my car. I'd like my phone bill, this and that. And like the stacking expenses of being a sex worker and being a person in this world, cancel student loan debt. Um, (laughs) Being able to go through the month and not worry about that was the biggest gift. It was like, not even about the money, like being able to not worry am I going to make the thousand dollars for my student loans this week was the blessing mm-hmm. really because I could like breathe but also I could limit my time at work during a huge COVID spike and be more or less okay which kind of kicked kicked me in the ass uh when it came to New Year's but it's fine um <laughs> I took the entire month off and then I worked the week more or less the week of my birthday, uh, Christmas through New Year's and made a bunch of money for my birthday. Um, the erotic laborers Alliance came and brought me birthday gifts and money. And like, it was really great. And then New Year's came and a customer gave me COVID (laughs) and put me out of work for the beginning of 2021. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. And we're still neck deep in a pandemic. I know we're filming this in February of 2022 and it's we're still neck deep in the pandemic. I don't think the pandemic's going anywhere but I honestly don't either especially I had COVID for a second time this January. You know apparently we're gonna make this a yearly event which sucks and it sucks when you're in an industry that has gotten no help through the pandemic um almost every single dancer i know or sex worker in general did not get unemployment uh we are 1099 workers we are uh independent contractors so like independent contractors unless you are in certain states don't get anything when it comes to unemployment for the pandemic um, which is why you saw so many sex workers turn to OnlyFans and subscription sites and camming was because we got nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people who they didn't get a stimulus because of like what we do for work. Um, certain states had rules in their COVID unemployment that said if you were in an adult industry, you did not qualify, which was a thing where I live and it sucked. Because like I was in a somewhat lucky position in which I lived with my partner who he continued to work through the pandemic and he could work from home. 
and he is someone who will never let me drown frankly as well so we were splitting the rent which made the rent cheaper I had just sold my pickup truck right before the pandemic so I had a good chunk of money from that and I'd been saving a ton because I'd been planning a bunch of trips to go around the world and to go to AVN for the porn awards and like all these different things and that all got thrown out the window so like I was sitting on a good chunk of money and I had clients that were very wonderful that helped me with my bills throughout the pandemic because I filmed a lot of custom content, but it sucked a lot. And then coming back into the club, the money was very hit or miss and still is very, very hit or miss. Something I saw someone else talk about recently was that you don't see money getting thrown around the clubs like there used to be right now, because frankly, to be very blunt, a lot of those people are dead. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they were older single people. They were not well people, people who didn't take care of themselves. Also young people die from COVID. Like a lot of those big baller type people are not alive to be able to come throw that money around. Um, I lost a regular during the pandemic. Like it's kind of the reality we live in at this point. So that's a lot. Like be super heavy again, I'm sorry. No, Um, don't apologize. That's that's why we have this. This is why we have this conversation and as you notice, I just let the conversation flow. So like, this is, this needs to be talked about. Yeah. This needs to be addressed. This needs to be heard. This is not something we can sweep under the rug. It's affecting everybody's lives. And the fact that they've finally figured out that the reason why so many people died so much earlier is because it's a vascular disease. Yeah. Just a respiratory, it's a vascular disease. And vascular diseases kill quicker than just respiratory diseases. So it's like we're finally getting the scientific research and information that we need. Exactly. From the first time I had COVID, I still have what will probably be lifelong health problems due to COVID. And frankly, if I had the opportunity to not be at work constantly during a pandemic, And like maybe get some financial assistance, unemployment, anything like that. I feel like maybe I wouldn't have gotten sick Mm -hmm. um, if I had the ability to not have to risk my life going to work every day kind of thing. Um, And like we saw the same thing in restaurants, like restaurants are so understaffed right now. A lot of those people are dead Mm -hmm. or they got COVID and they are still too sick Um, for a very long time. After the first time I had COVID, I could only work two days a week because it wore me out so bad. I still like, if I go too hard on stage, like I can't breathe. I get chest pain frequently post COVID as well as like, I feel like I don't breathe as well as I used to. So it's like, I don't know, the random things about sex work, getting COVID fucks it up anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. people don't, don't think about how it affected us too. They look at, you know, big industries and like what happened to Amazon and like all these different things, but they don't think about restaurant workers, sex workers, like sex workers continue to work through the pandemic. And we got fucked. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not just talking about nurses and doctors. I'm talking about like the staff. Yeah. Janitors, front desk people, like everybody. Yeah. And it's devastating. And I, I need to thank you for sharing your story. 
Of course. And like telling us about this because this is critical information. And thank you so much for having me. Of course. Like, I am, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like this, this is why I created this podcast is so we can have this space to talk unapologetically and we can have these conversations without feeling judged or feeling like we're a research subject. Yeah. Because I've been, there's some, I'm not going to name any names, but I've listened to a couple podcasts where they've talked to sex workers and it sounds like it's a research project. Yeah. I have been on a couple of those, but also I feel like in ways it can be beneficial and not to Mm -hmm. be like a research subject. It's a back and forth in my own head a little bit where Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, I want to give you that information to, you know, push it forward. You reach a different audience also at the same time, like I'm a person, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I wanted to bring up the human side. Yeah. And I love that. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. So to end this, I have two more questions and yeah. that is, um, what would you say is the best way you live unapologetically and your advice for baby strippers, like your, your number one advice for baby strippers. And where can we find you? I'm sorry, could you repeat the first one? The first one is like a two-part question. It's how do you live your life unapologetically? And what is the number one advice you would give baby strippers? That's a two-part one question. <laughs> I live my life unapologetically. I live my life as my truest self at this point. And there is nothing, nothing is worth sacrificing that, frankly. Um, your happiness is like what should be most important to you, your happiness, your safety, your well-being. Um, which also like advice to baby strippers, your life, your safety, and your well-being and in general health should be what is most important to you. Um the bag will always be there in one form or another. Money comes back around. You spend money, you get money back. Um <laughs> So even if that's, you know, going to get a massage, like that money is going to come back to you. You put money into yourself. Your body is like, is your job. And that's what I tell people all the time when they're like, well, like you do all these things to maintain yourself. And I'm like, yeah, I do because my body is my job. Mm-hmm. So to be Marie, I have to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that. <laughs> and then where to reach me? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, at not Marie Monroe. Um, yeah, literally it's all one word, not Marie Monroe. Um, and you can find me as not Marie Monroe on Twitter, TikTok. Is there anywhere else that I have that at? No, <laughs> my cash app and my Venmo are Iris XX Marie, as well as my OnlyFans is Iris XX Marie. Also, all my links are in my bio on my Instagram, which makes life easy. (laughs) I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much, Marie. I'm so glad to have you on here. This was a golden conversation. I just, I'm so grateful that you came on my podcast today. So thank you so, so much. And thank you so much for having me and giving such a great place to, for sex workers to have a voice about their own industry. welcome and thank you and thank you everyone listening today i am so grateful for you and we will talk to you soon have a great day
Oh my God, wasn't Marie absolutely amazing? They were everything I hoped for and more with this interview. They just gave us so much that we can take from this experience and from this just profound information that they gave us. Like she just took us on a journey and led us on the way. So here are the takeaways. Number one, Baby sex workers, set your boundaries and keep them relentlessly. Keep them strong and hard because people will test them. But if you're not comfortable doing something in your everyday life, you will not be comfortable doing it as a sex worker. So please keep your boundaries. Two goes back to number one. Don't change your boundaries to get the bag. The bag will be there. Seriously, you can... Do whatever you need to as a sex worker and still maintain those boundaries. You will find people willing to pay for what you're giving them. Number three, the hierarchy feeds into the stigma. And what I mean by the hierarchy is the way that other sex workers judge sex workers. So a way we can combat the stigma and the hierarchy is just by accepting each level of sex work as sex work. That's all I want to say on that. Number four, sex workers provide a safe place for people to be yourself as a client and as a person. We give people the opportunity to grow and be who they are in a safe environment and where they're not judged. Her stories just embody that. Number five, Sex work provides intimacy that many may not normally get. Seriously, we give so many people the opportunity and the space to grow as people, and we give them the human connection that we all need to exist. Number six, sex work lets people feel loved and seen to develop into a better human. We all thrive better when we are seen as who we are completely. And It is a beautiful thing that us as sex workers get to do is just listen to these people and help them grow, help them improve. We can give them our beliefs as well and help them become a better person. And we can just let them thrive by letting them enjoy the things that they enjoy so long as it doesn't hurt somebody without consent. Just throwing that out there. Number seven. Self-care as a sex worker is invaluable and so important. Please, 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 if you're a new sex worker, if you've been in sex work for a long time, please find a way to do some form of self-care when you're not on the job. Make sure you take time to take off from the job and take care of yourself because your mental state and your body and everything is so important. It needs to be priority so we can take care of our clients and take care of ourselves Please, please, please do your self-care. Number eight, your partners affect your life. Supportive partners are key to surviving sex work. I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you're dating and in sex work, and if you're a baby sex worker and dating, make sure you find somebody who is supportive of you doing this if this is what you want to do in the long term because you need that support. This is a job like any other, and it should be accepted like any other. So please find partners and have your community and those you keep around you supporting you throughout this process. 
Number nine, keep clients as clients and your social life separate. Keep your boundaries relentlessly. And that's just going back to the first two things I said in the beginning. Number 10, and this is the last one, and I feel it's very important. This takeaway is huge, is don't use a sex worker's real name if you know it, unless you have their consent in the situation. And what I mean by this is if you know a sex worker in their everyday life and you know their name that they use in their everyday life when they're not on the job, do not use it unless you have consent from them or it is in a situation where they have given you consent to use it. Also, I am so, so grateful for you being here and going on this journey with me. 